solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about the things that we do in our practice, the way this, that we run our businesses, and all of the things that just kind of come up in therapists' lives. And this is getting back to ways that we conceive about running our businesses and some of the practical know-hows that we can do this. And I think we've mentioned a couple of times briefly in our experience across our catalog of episodes here about a concept called Profit First. And here to share her wonderful wisdom about Profit First and the models around this is Julie Harris. She's an accountant and author and just overall very wonderful person from Green Oak Accounting. And thank you for spending some time with us and sharing your wisdom. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you back. It's fun to chat with you. And I always enjoy our conversations. The first question we ask everyone is, who are you and what are you putting out into the world? Well, so I'm an accountant and I truly believe that every practice deserves to be profitable. So that's a big part of what I'm putting out into the world. I think therapists deserve to make good money doing their work. And I feel like my role in the world is to help the helpers, right? I can't do what therapists do. I do not have that talent, but my superpower is money and numbers. And so that's how I can help the helpers. I want to change the narrative that private practice owners should take a vow of poverty. I think they should be unapologetic about making good money doing what they do. So let's start with exactly what is profit first? Like, okay, is this just making more money than you spend and whatever's left is profit? Or is it something else entirely different? Well, so you could start there, but basically profit first is a cash flow management system, right? So how do you manage your cash? So it's not an accounting software, but it is a management system. So the basic premise of profit first is that you turn the accounting equation upside down. So if you look at a profit and loss, and hopefully every business owner has looked at a profit and loss at some point, you see the, <laughs> the traditional accounting equation, right? Where income is at the top, then you have the expenses, and then what is left is profit, right? Income minus expenses equals profit. So profit first turns that equation upside down. And so that means income minus profit equals expenses. And when we carve out an amount for profit upfront, that means there's less left over. And that is what we have left to run our business with. So we're taking our profit at the very beginning. And then what's left is what we run our business with. So this concept was put out by Mike Michalowicz, right? Yes. And he was doing this for all small business owners. And I grabbed the book and I immediately fell asleep. And so, <laughs> and got overwhelmed. <laughs> 
I understand it's a great book. I've really worked hard to try to get through it, but it just did not seem to apply to me as a therapist as much as I would have liked it to. I just was, it was intense. And so he approached you to do a version for mental health clinicians, right? Yes. So what's happened since the original Profit First is there are several derivatives for various different industries. Because what kept happening over and over in my accounting firm is we would have clients come to us and say, we know you work with Profit First. I read the book. I get the concept. I don't know how to make this work in my practice, in mental health. The numbers don't seem to work for me. And so we took that system and tailored it specifically to mental health. There are certain things that my clients were right, like did not really work. There's additional accounts that we have. There's just tweaks on the percentages as well. And so we've customized it in a way that makes sense, but also that we've seen work over and over again as a game changer for practice owners. I mean, this is sounding, I think there's details that we need to talk about, like what exactly is profit first, but you're also in reading a little bit from the book, it seems like it's also an emotional process (laughs) to be able to manage your money, because I think a lot of therapists are really nervous about it and really feel very uncomfortable about it. Yeah. And I actually start right in chapter one, I talk about therapist guilt because I just think it's it's a good place to start, right? There's so much guilt around making money. One of the stories in the book is one of our clients, Layla, who said, like, I had a chip on my shoulder about Profit First. Because when she just heard the title, right, without having read the book, she thought that, you know, Profit First was going to ask her to put profit over people. And that's not at all the case. People are always going to be the most important thing. But there's a point in a business where if there is no profit, if you're not making money, you can no longer serve people. Right. And so it's just putting yourself in a situation where you can have a business that is sustainable. You can take care of your own household as well. That's a really important piece of having a business. You have to be able to live. It's definitely about giving and helping people, but you also have to be able to make a living to be the best helper that you could be. So, what are some of these emotional processes? I know that, you know, in a lot of the people who are launching businesses, I hear people talking on, you know, podcasts or in, you know, some of the Facebook groups about, you know, I want to implement profit first. I want to be a profitable therapist. I want to make money. Excitement isn't the only feeling that goes along with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excitement is usually the first one, right? That's the good news where you're like, yeah, I read the book. I want to go do this. This sounds like a really great idea. What we often see happen next is resistance, where like things have to change, right? There's some change that needs to happen to get to the other side. When you're saying, I'm going to take out my profit first, there is usually a review of your expenses. Maybe some things need to be cut. Maybe you need to change your personal spending. Like there are things that need to happen. And there's an emotional reaction that comes with that. Like, oh, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. How dare you tell me that what I'm (laughs) doing doesn't fit with my aspirations? (laughs) Yes. um, (laughs) Sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes we look at what's going on and the owner is taking out way more money than their practice can actually afford, right? They need to sometimes look at their personal expenses. Sometimes it's on the business side. Like there's a mix of different things that can happen, but there's often this kind of digging in of the heels of like, oh, I don't know. This feels a little bit uncomfortable. Often after that, we see a little bit of overwhelm, right? And and these phases aren't necessarily linear. You can go back to a phase more than one time. And sometimes you can skip one altogether, depending on a specific situation. But then there's an overwhelm of like, oh, what is happening? Everything is changing. But like right beyond that moment is the kind of aha of everything is about to change. And like, this is the good stuff where things start getting a lot easier. And then there's acceptance after that, right? We're like, 
These are the people who have reached acceptance that say, I love Profit First. It's amazing, right? They're the ones typing in the Facebook group saying like, this has changed my life, like because you've gotten to that other side. So yeah, it's an emotional journey, but it's worth it. So we still haven't actually gotten into what it actually is. So functionally, what does Profit First look like? How does somebody implement Profit First in their practice? Okay, I'm going to start with the core principles because this is going to give you most of the information. There's four core principles in Profit First, and you'll notice they are also nutrition principles, right? I'm not a nutrition expert. I am a financial expert, but there are a lot of similarities in the way that humans make decisions about money and about food, right? It's not about the big sweeping decision of I'm going to spend less than I make. It's about the hundreds of micro decisions you make each day. And so the principle number one is use a smaller plate. And so I was born in the finish your plate generation. So for me, if I eat it from a big plate, I'm going to finish my food. If I eat from a small plate, I will also finish my food, right? Like whatever's on the plate is what I will consume. In the context of profit first, we look at a plate as a bank account. If you have one large bank account with all your cash just hanging out in there, as humans, we tend to want to consume all of that, right? It's related to Parkinson's law where your demand will expand to meet the supply that you have. So if you look at your bank account, there's a big old pile of money there. A lot of people, most people, I would say, are going to be tempted to spend that, right? Without considering that payroll is next week, your liability insurance is due next month, tax payments are coming up soon, right? Like all those things are happening. When you eat from a smaller plate or in profit first, when you eat from a smaller bank account, you're just naturally going to spend less. So the way that we implement that is that we have multiple bank accounts that are earmarked for very specific things. For example, all of your money comes into the income bank account. So for most therapists, your existing checking account, that becomes your income account because we don't want to mess with any kind of insurance payments. Your existing checking account becomes your income account. Then we add accounts like your operating expense account. That's where all of your, you know, your rent, your software, dues and subscriptions comes out of. Then we have an owner's pay account. As the name implies, like that's meant to pay the owner. We also have a tax account. That's where there's money earmarked to pay taxes on your behalf or on behalf of the business or you, depending on legal entity and all that. And obviously we have a profit account. So there's money earmarked for profit. And that's intended to be not your day-to-day household money. That's intended to be a reward for you being a shareholder of the business. Because inherently there is risk in any kind of business, also in a private practice, and you should get rewarded for taking the risk of being a business owner. So there's the profit account as well. And then for practices that have employees, we also add a payroll account. So that's one of the differences with the original profit first system is that we add a bank account for payroll because in most group practices, payroll is the single largest expense. And I'm a firm believer that that expense can be controlled, right? And managed. And so by adding a separate account for it, we can do that. So you separate owner from payroll or could owner's pay be in the payroll account too? So that's going to depend on the tax entity, right? So there are there are some variations there. Okay. There could okay. be an owner could get funds from the owner's payroll and the payroll account. Both could exist, right? Depending on the logistics. So principle number two is you serve sequentially. So as money comes into that income bank account, then you're going to move money to the other accounts, right? To the ones that we just talked about, OPEX, tax, profit, right? All of those. Principle number three is we remove temptation. Because you have accounts with earmarked names, you are less likely to spend that money on something else. 
I like to tell the story of the food team at Google. You're both in California. I'm sure you've heard of, of Google as an employer. Like they have some pretty cool perks, including free micro kitchens where you can just go and you grab all food and drink that you want. Lovely. What the food team realized is that most new employees were gaining on average 10 pounds when they started because there's just so much food available. So they wanted to make it easier for people who wanted to make healthy food decisions to do so. So at the time, their candy was in big bulk, clear containers. So the most popular candy at the time was M&Ms. And so what they decided is to try something. Let's take these big bulk containers and let's put the candy in opaque containers and display fruit more prominently. We're not going to take away options. We're not going to remove quantity. Everything is still available. We're just going to do that and see what happens. And in seven weeks, that reduced the M&M consumption by 3.1 million calories in just one <laughs> office. Just one. O- this was their New York office. So I tell that story because it sounds obvious, right? We're saying like, let's put this tax money in this tax bank account. But it makes a really big difference behaviorally. When your tax money is in your tax account, you're not going to accidentally go buy something because it's already in their earmark for tax. So that's how the Profit First system removes temptation. Therapy Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. So one of the things that I think can happen is you've now earmarked money across all these different accounts and insurance doesn't pay for a month or there is a dip in your caseload for some reason and there's less to pay yourself, less to pay your employees, there's less profit available. How do you address that? So that is an unfortunate thing in private practice. So one of the ways, there's multiple ways that we can address that. One is you're going to transfer based on an allocation, which is a a percentage, right? So we determine a percentage that goes into each account based on your specific situation. And all the tools are on the, you know, Profit First for Therapists website. But so every time you make a transfer, whether it's been a really good week or a bad week, you're transferring the same percentage. So sometimes it's actually going to be more than you need. And then that is going to, hopefully that's happening more often than it being less than you need. And so that's creating naturally a buffer in each of those accounts so that if you had a slow week where maybe there's a bank holiday and something or something happened and you didn't get paid, hopefully there's enough of a buffer in your owner's pay account, for example, that you can still take the amount that you need to live. But the reality is if insurance isn't going to pay, it's kind of unrelated to profit first. So it's going to happen one way or another, but we can also put other mechanisms in place to help for that. For example, some of our clients use an emergency account as well, right? In addition to all the other accounts where if you have salaried employees or if you know that insurance can be finicky, the particular panels that you're on, like we can create that emergency account to help offset some of the risk. And so then that would just be an additional percentage. And so a part of what you're bringing in is going to that emergency fund. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. 
Yeah. One one of many ways that we can we can kind of address that. Yeah. And there are some situations of, you know, true emergency where you're you may be taking a little bit from tax and a little bit from profit. In reality, that does happen. Idealistically, that never would happen. But in the reality of any business, like there are cases where that happens, but then at least there's something there versus there being just, you know, a couple hundred dollars in the bank account. It's still better than having nothing. Yeah. Principle number four, we enforce a rhythm. So you're going to move money between your bank accounts on a very regular schedule, not kind of willy-nilly, not every day. It's usually every week, every other week you're moving money. So that really also helps you see the ebb and flow of cash in the business. And I find that this is usually a a pleasant surprise for most practice owners to be able to see, for example, like every Friday, you're expecting $24,000 in your bank account. If all of a sudden one week there's only $18,000, then you already know something is amiss. It's so much easier to see that way than if it's mixed into everything else that's happening. If it's mixed with payroll and tax payments where you don't really have as much of a sense of what is normal in your business. So as people are trying this out, as they're moving into this, what are some of the mistakes that you see people make? If I'm guessing... Some of it is tied to some of those emotional things that we talked about earlier. Yes, you would be guessing correctly. <laughs> the digging in the feels phase. Uh, there, So a couple of mistakes, like off the top of my head, not changing your spending habits is probably one of them. Like If you are embarking on this profit first journey, you have to be willing to make some changes because ultimately all of your percentages have to equal to 100%, right? Because that's how math works. <laughs> The money has to come from somewhere. So there are usually some changes that have to be made. I would also say one of the common mistakes that happen is trying to go too fast too soon. And you you could equate that to like going to the gym or like if I try to run 10 miles on one day, like I'm probably not running for a couple of weeks because like I am going to be dead on the pavement. But, you know, if you make slow incremental changes, that has a better long-term effect. And it's more likely that you're going to stick with it when you start where you are today and then make small changes, you're going to be able to continue. It seems like it's a lot to implement. I think one of the problems I ended up having with Profit First is all of these bank accounts and, and even having a bank account at another bank so you can't get to it at all. And, and I mean, like it just it seemed very overwhelming to think about having all these different bank accounts. Do you really need them all? Short answer is yes, but I'm going to tell you a secret, Katie. I don't have accounts at another bank. (laughs) Actually, in the book, I don't recommend the separate accounts at another bank. So, and what Katie's referring to is the Mike McCallowitz wrote in his book that you have vault accounts. And he describes his drive of shame to that bank because it has no technology He cannot withdraw from an ATM. Like he has to physically drive there an hour and a half each way. So a three hour round trip to get money from that bank. So because I'm an accountant, because I see like the day to day, I get the phone calls, right? Like we can't make payroll. What do we do? Having to drive three hours to go get that money. That's not helpful. That's my personal opinion. But here's the other thing. Therapists are compliance driven. Like if you have rules, you're usually going to follow the rules. So I have never seen... A therapist accidentally buy a boat from their tax account. Whereas a construction company, I have seen that happen, right? Ah. So (laughs) that to say like not all industries are created equal when it comes to like compliance, right? And I know therapists usually are not going to borrow from themselves in most cases. And 
you know yourself best, right? There are some cases where a vault account does make sense, but for the most part, that doesn't. To come back to your question though, of are all the accounts needed? I would say yes. It's very interesting to me that that's typically the barrier to entry. A lot of people are worried about like, oh, do I really need it? I don't want to deal with going to the bank, opening them up. So often that's one of the reasons people drag their feet. And at the same time, on the other side of that, I don't think I've ever heard a client say, you know what? I wish I had not opened those bank accounts. That was unnecessary. What we hear on the other side is it really wasn't as hard as I thought. And I wish I had done it sooner because it really is a game changer. Like if I had to pick one key to success, that would be it. Okay. Because I think for me, I'm a solo practice owner and I don't do profit first. Maybe I should hold my head down in shame. No, but the, the closest that I get to is I have my my checking and my savings and I transfer consistently over to savings what's going to be my tax payment. And so I do have a tax account and then I have an income slash <laughs> expenses account. And for me, it's not as critical for me to know all the different details. You know, like I look at my money, I do all this stuff. But for folks that have either larger practices or group practices, it seems like it would be really, really important to be able to identify those things of what goes where. Am I wrong? Does every practice no. owner need all those accounts? Because like, to me, it's like, I don't have a lot of expenses. It's money comes in, I pay myself, I put some over into taxes, and I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's perfectly fine. If you have a system that works for you, I think that's amazing. I don't think you need to change it. You can always make your tax payments. Like You have what you need. Awesome. I don't think you need to change a thing. But we have worked with a lot of solo practice owners that are constantly chasing their money. Like, you know, my EHR says I made this much money. Where did it go? It's all gone and I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. Right. So, someone in that situation, I think Profit First really can be a game changer of like just understanding how you are spending. If that is a problem in a practice of any size, I think Profit First can be helpful. In a larger practice, I think it can be helpful in scaling. It can be really helpful in giving access to key team members to just a slice of the puzzle, right? Maybe a clinical director has access to OPEX and payroll so that they can see the pieces that they maybe are handling, maybe they are approving expenses, right? That's super useful without necessarily seeing everything else in the practice. But as a practice grows, it can be really challenging to keep track of everything. Like payroll can just balloon out of control all of a sudden, or we're throwing money at problems and then OPEX is out of control. A lot of things can just happen. And Profit First, I find, makes it a lot easier to diagnose where the issue is. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists 
to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. It sounds like what works really well for the mental health industry is this actually makes practice owners look at their finances in a structured and predictable way. Is this just kind of the, we're making people actually look at at this stuff that gets through kind of some of that anxiety that makes it to where this is so particularly successful for the mental health industry? I think so, because it's a framework that works with your existing habits. It leverages them. It doesn't ask you to every week look at your profit and loss and your balance sheet and your statement of cash flow. All you have to do is look at your bank account balance. That's it. That gives you the data you need to make decisions. It tells you if you can afford something or not. It tells you if you have enough money for payroll or not. You don't have to make a significant change to your behavior other than looking. And transferring lots of money different places. <laughs> Honestly, after the initial setup, I think the instant assessment, right? Figuring out where your practice stands now takes usually between 30 and 60 minutes up front. And this, this instant assessment is what are the percentages that you currently have for all of these types of expenses or income? Exactly. So how much are you going to be transferring from your income account to your other accounts? So roughly 30 to 60 minutes up front. And then as far as transferring money, right, whether that's every week, every other week, every month, that is usually five to 20 minutes. And, and 20 minutes is on the really general, generous side. I really think for most practice owners, it's five to 10 minutes. So it's not a huge lift of time, but like spending that time, five to 10 minutes every two weeks, looking at what is going on in this practice. I think that is time well spent and it's in a not overwhelming way. Oh, for sure. I was being, I do think this is a, a great idea in that regard, because to me, in talking with group practice owners, the biggest piece is figuring out how do I pay my clinicians? How do I make sure I pay myself? How do I take a profit? I mean, I think those three things are mysterious for a lot of folks when they first start group practices. Can you talk a little bit more about how people figure that out and maybe even a little bit about kind of what the percentages should be for those? Yeah. Well, so how you figure that out, you really are looking at where you are today. So our goal is always for a practice to start exactly where they are today. So when you're doing the instant assessment, you're looking at your profit and loss or your bank statements and seeing like, where is money going right now? So how much money actually is coming into the practice? How much money is coming in? And where is that going? So you're looking at how much have I been transferring to my personal bank account or how much am I paying myself through payroll? You're looking at how much is being paid to other people in my team, whether that's admin, leadership, clinicians, how much are other people getting paid? Like what actually are my operating expenses? And then you're just tabulating that. So it's easiest if you have already an accounting software and you're running you know, profit and loss in, in QuickBooks. If you don't have that though, you can just pull out your bank statements and go line by line. Like where does this fit? Just add those up. And that's going to tell you exactly where your practice stands. And so then the goal is to bit by bit shift it to more of these recommended percentages, because I don't know how many group practice owners I see in some of these Facebook groups that are either losing money or not paying themselves or paying themselves very, very little. And so yeah. this is a shift to actually putting profit first, making sure that the risk that they're taking as being a group practice owner, that they do get profit and that they're paying themselves. So what are the ideal percentages or range of ideal percentages for that? I think of practices in four 
sizes. So first a solo practice, which is self-explanatory, right? Just a single clinician, maybe an admin, but like one person doing the clinical work where typically the owner is still seeing 50% or more of sessions. So there may be one or two part-timers, maybe it's a full-timer, but the owner's still doing a significant lift as far as clinical work. A medium group practice, that is where that shift happens. Now more sessions are being seen by people other than the owner. And then a large group practice where leadership has been added, right? So typically around a million dollars, we see the addition of a leadership level. So either a site supervisor, clinical director, or something along those lines. So how much an owner can expect to pay themselves does shift from one to the other, right? Because if you're a solo practice, one person doing all the work, like you can reasonably expect to be putting 30 to 60% in owner's payroll. But if you have a team, you can't put 60% of everything that's coming in into, you know, into owner's pay, like the math doesn't work there. You have to pay the team. So it shifts over time. So for solo practice, 30 to 60% is about what we expect for owner's payroll. For small group practice, somewhere in the 10 to 30% range, because we're also allocating money to tax and to profit. Then as we move into a medium and a large group practice, that typically shifts to like five to 10%. And I know that's sometimes surprising to folks who hear that, like five to 10%, that's why does it become so small? But it's a smaller piece of a much bigger pie at that point, yeah. right? And like the owner is doing a much smaller percentage of the work at that point. So it does make sense. What do you see as kind of some of the transitions as some of the practices go from solo to small group to medium group that the owners face in making some of these adjustments? Part of it's, you know, what you just spoke to as far as, all right, it's a smaller percentage, but it's the same or hopefully even a bigger number when it comes out. But what are some of the other growth adjustments that you see people making in this? I personally think the transition to a small group is the hardest one. That is the hardest phase of private practice, in my opinion, in part because the owner is often working harder and not really seeing a whole lot of financial benefit yet, because it's not uncommon when you're hiring one or two, maybe part-timers, the owner's still doing a lot of the intake, maybe the phone calls, some billing, a lot of the administrative work is still falling on the owner because there's not quite enough margin to maybe hire someone So there's more overhead work and not necessarily a lot more money at that point because the the funds that are being brought into the practice by, for example, two people seeing 10 clients a week is not going to be a huge amount of profit margin, right? So as then we shift towards like more full-timers, maybe with some metrics towards like how many sessions are going to be seen, things tend to shift and then there is more money available for adding an admin and maybe additional support there. Then it's just kind of being able to sit with some of the feelings of like, okay, by looking at where these things, I'm I'm not a profit first, at least formally in my practice here, but then it's being able to sit with some of those feelings of, okay, I'm going to keep investing the work into this. Here's where the payoff ends up coming up in continuing to scale up. This is kind of the safety net behind it that without some of this intentionality that we see some of the group practices as they move into hiring some of those clinicians, this is what keeps them in check, it seems like. Yeah. So knowing that, I feel like sometimes just knowing that this phase is normal helps you get to be okay with it, right? Where the reasoning behind starting a group practice varies depending on the group practice owner. Sometimes a practice owner will say there's a need for care in this community. So, and I can't possibly see more people. I love doing this piece. So I'm going to hire more people so we could just see more clients overall. 
sometimes the group practice is the owner to burnout. Like I can't possibly continue seeing this many clients every single day. So let me just create this group practice so I can hopefully reduce my caseload. But often that caseload reduction does not come on day one, right? Just because you hire someone to see 10 people a week doesn't mean that you can stop seeing clients and keep paying yourself the same amount. And so there's coming to terms with the math of this really big change, right? Going from zero to three people, that's a really big change. Whereas going from 13 to 16, that's not really a huge change at that point. Like you've kind of gotten used to the logistics there. It seems like the way that you're framing this, Julia, is that Profit first is a way to be able to weather some of these emotional challenges. It's a way to have some structure behind what you do and feel more confident in the financial decisions that you're making. Absolutely. Yeah. And really, a practice owner can have anything they want in life, right? It's just math. And so when you (laughs) kind of put it in that perspective, it's not as scary. And in the book, I talk about reverse engineering your practice to your life. If you're hiring one person and wanting to stop see clients completely, right? The math there doesn't work. One person can't do enough work to support two people with full-time salaries. Like if you just kind of back into those numbers, then you can see like, this is what my practice needs to be able to support me in the way that I want. Like it's less scary when you know what needs to be done. Yeah. When you talk about it, and the way you were talking about it at the beginning of the episode, just really helping the helpers, it seems like it's something where you're really passionate about this. It's something that you really care about. And this is a way that you can be of help to our community, which is amazing. But it also, it sounds like it was a big process for you to write this book and really dig into this. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think there's some folks that have this thing they want to give out to the world and they don't get all the way through the book process. Maybe just, we don't have a ton of time, but some discussion a little bit about how you were able to put this into something that's really very practical and usable for folks that this is going to benefit. I started using Profit First in my own business before I implemented even with any clients. And so my mom was a serial entrepreneur. She loved starting new businesses And she loved the beginning phase, like the picking out the location or the marketing or all this and that. And then she she would get a little bit bored and then move on to something else. And so there was always this like kind of up and down, (laughs) up and down in my childhood. And I remember like some of my very first memories were of being in her sewing store and then helping her do this and that. And so my mother loved entrepreneurship. But what I remember as a child is the up and down. Like every time a business failed, we moved. There was a new school, new home, new friends, like new everything. And for me, that was really hard. And so I never thought I would be a business owner. I thought like, if my mom can't do this, I'm not going to do this. I can't do it either. Mm -hmm. And so eventually it became apparent that this was the path that I needed for myself and my family. And like Profit First is what made this possible for me. I needed some structure. I did not want to put my family through that situation. And so that was it for me. So I, I have a very personal story of Profit First. And I wanted to share this message with the world. And the reality is my accounting firm, no matter how much I grow, I can never help every therapist out there, right? That's just not possible. And so Profit First has done so much for me personally. I wanted to be able to share this message with the world. And so that's kind of where this came from. Every step of the way has been exponentially more work than I thought it would be. Uh, But (laughs) here we are. We made it somehow and we, we are here. Where can people find out more about you and your book? Yes, you can go to profitfirstfortherapist.com slash MTSG for 
Modern Therapist Survival Guide, and you can get one of our free workbooks there. So you can see kind of what Profit First is all about. You can also order the book if you would like. And you can also follow me on Instagram at julie.harris. And we'll include links to those in our show notes over at mtsgpodcast.com. And make sure that you join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, as well as follow us on our social media. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Vernoy and Julie Harris. Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.